You are now tuned into Ravens Daily Bread.
and then I went to the counter. Now, the clerk, who was a male, he's about 18 years old. He was just kind of like in the corner reading his phone, just pretty much ignoring my existence. So I stood there for about 20 seconds or so, and I waited, and then he finally slumped over and came over to the cash register, slowly punched on his little keypad, took the money, and then he gave me my change back and he walked right back to his little corner on the wall. Almost like not even looking up. Now, I'm kind of old school, but I was like, what happened to service? Like, even in that sense, just like, do you want to be here or no? Like, are you happy to have a job or no? The point of, of the story is to show what servant living is not. <laughs> and so service is so much more than an exchange of pleasantries for products purchased, even though I would have taken the, pro the exchange of pleasantries. I would have loved that. But you know what? That's not all that service actually is. So when we explore service tonight, I want you to empty your mind of any of the images that you might have that's similar to the one I just shared when you think about service. The servant attitude will address it that we will address goes well beyond these types of stories or situations. So if you're facing tough times today, 
take comfort in realizing that God can use you best when you're weakest. The Apostle Paul talked about this weakness in his flesh, a thorn, right? This problem that annoyed him and caused him sorrow. Upon asking God to remove it, and God said no, the reason became it became plain to Paul. And he said, each time God replied, my gracious favor is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So then Paul continues on, and he goes on to say what? that he gladly boasts about his weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon him. That concept there is service. To completely focus on a purpose and will of another that is not for my personal benefit. That's the idea of service. Why bother with talks about service and servanthood anyway, right? What's the point of it? Besides, that's where we're at in our sermon series. But here's, here's a good reason. Jesus mentioned it in Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 through 27. And here's what he says. Whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. I suppose a person can use these as their reasons for service. They want to be great or first in line, but that ain't right, is it? However, Jesus says greatness and being first starts with being a servant. So he flips it on its head. And I can think of another reason to be concerned about having this attitude of heart. The Apostle Paul gave it to us in Philippians 2.5 when he said, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Should we need anything else to motivate us, though? Shouldn't our desire to, to be intimate with the one we love for the sole purpose of pleasing him? And yet we still find ourselves struggling with the concept of service at times. And so Jesus suggests that if you learn the art of servanthood, you'll be great in God's kingdom. Now, I'm not sure if that's his offer to give us a top-ranking angel position. That sounds a little far-fetched, right? Angel, the angel, angel, agent, I can't talk. Angel, that's the word, angel. The angel Gabriel, like he has that seat. I don't think God's going to take that from him. But I wonder to what extent God is telling his disciples that when we want greatness and we want recognition, that we need to walk the road of service because it gets our feet on the ground to what really matters, what really matters about life and what really matters about him. The road of service, it removes this vain um vain tendencies that we tend to have where we think about glory and greatness. And, and so that can often rob us of real life experiences, things that we would normally not consider, things that would could be even unreachable, that we could, re re could receive this status of greatness by being last. So if you want to be fulfilled and you want to, to be purposeful in a time when there's pain and problems, like, like in today's day, when you're tempted to run after all the wrong things and when you waste energy and resources trying to hold on to sand, that's what it feels like. I encourage you to pursue service. Try something different. And in doing so, you'll discover life and you will acquire greatness. Service will result in reward. Whatever our assumptions, you and I are, are called 
to servant living. To refuse to, to listen is, is foolishness. And there are people here who want to obey and, 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 and who are wise for choosing so. And, and God offers some insight to those who runs after this real treasure called service. He gives us this insight and it starts with Christ. Is that a surprise? That there's a process to learning to be a servant? So there's three things. The first one, having Christ should lead to being like Christ. And this is going to be based off of Philippians, Philippians, Philippians 2, verses 1 through 5. Here's what it says. Therefore, if any have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So, the first simple lesson we must understand is that everything we're talking about today depends on one important premise, and that is, do I know Jesus? Do you know him? I'm not asking, do you know about Jesus? But I'm, but I'm asking, do you know him? You may have heard about his claims to be God's son. You may have heard about the credit Jesus was given when he, when he died and rose on the cross three days later. You may know about the way that he served. But until you say, I believe that all to be true and I accept Jesus as God's son and believe that I can only be right with Jesus through his death and resurrection, then you don't know him. That's the thing. And that's what's not preached very often. Knowing of Jesus is popular. Knowing Jesus is a whole different ballgame. And so Christ, so, so this, this evidence, this knowing Christ, it leads to being of the same mind, of having the same love, and being one in spirit and purpose that we read about in Philippians. So let's dig a little bit deeper and go farther in Philippians. So we just read verses 1 through 5. Now let's look at 6 through 11. Who being in very nature with God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord and to the glory of God the Father. Amen for that. So our unity in Christ should birth out of the unity of Christ in his church. The two should go together. And Paul shows us that this servant living in the, in the interest of unity is an act of God's will that's with his help. Paul's statement implies it that when he tells the believers that they should make his joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being one in spirit and purpose, it's a choice. I suggest 
that a life of unity, of togetherness, is one of the highest calls in servant living. We're um, working through a book about living together. And um, it's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting to say the least. But there's this idea that's, that's repeated about being one in spirit, having the same mind, having the same love, having the same interests at heart. And this requires the servant heart and attitude of Jesus to live in unity with others. This is not something that you can gain personally, but it's like being part of something. When he talks about being part of the vine, being part of the branches, being part of something, that this isn't done on our own. And in verse 7, we see that Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant at heart. So are we willing to take the lowest ranking position to everyone else and be nothing, as it were, in exchange for the heart of God and to bring praise and glory to him? Are we? Do we find ourselves being willing to be there and go there? Our second point. Being like Christ results in serving like Christ. Verses three through four, I'll say that again. Being like Christ results in serving like Christ. Verses three through four, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So these verses are the social services of servant living. So we usually pursue service as things we do for other people, and it is that, but not that entirely. Here's what I mean. Service is often about how we behave toward other people in a giving service, not just what we do, but how we behave toward them. Behavior characterized by selfless attitudes and the interests of other people is service. Verse 3 is our example for that. Paul is not saying that we should be ambitious. Ambition is not a negative trait. He's not saying that we shouldn't be ambitious, but it's ambitious that gets a PhD, ambition that grows a business to be successful, all of these different things that ambition encourages. And a lack of healthy ambition can cause result in laziness. So Paul's not saying that there's anything bad with ambition. But Paul is telling us to be careful of selfish ambition and that such ambition leads us to do things because we will gain it by personally and our interest in other people has more to do with it than what we're doing for someone else. Paul says in humility, consider yourselves better than yourself. To be humble is to have an honest opinion about yourself. Verse four, not looking to your own interest but each of you to interests of the others. Things like addiction, things like need, the need for recovery support, emotional breakdown and critical care of family members are just a few ways that we serve others. So all, oftentimes when we think about service, we only think about, well, if I show up to church early or if I do this or if I do that, but there's so many other areas in our lives that counts as service for God, taking care of our families, counts as service for God, getting our family help, being resources, all of that counts as service. And Jesus was focused about meeting people's needs and facing life with people for what it was, what he was there for right there in the moment. He didn't run programs or maintain 
or church institution, right? He provided people with what they needed. And that's the lesson for today's church. We see a decline in, in today's church. So we have to stop and ask, what do we need to do differently than what we've been doing? Because yeah. church has been largely about events, about this event, having this attraction, having this and that. But when you boil it down to the nuts and bolts, it should simply be about service, not attraction. So I, I don't find it coincidental that this is the lesson that the church is, is having to relearn after 2,000 years. That's not surprising to me. Look around the room. Surprise. <laughs> and so here we have, if someone wants to start something or if someone wants to evaluate what we're doing, I think a good place is for us to start with verses in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, talking about not leading to our own interests, but the interest of others. I think that should be the criteria that we're looking at. Is this serving God or is this serving us? Is this serving humanity or is this patting ourselves on the back? And I think that that is a lesson for today's church. So when people are fighting or not in unity, you'll always find the presence of selfish focus. When there's discrepancies in churches, it's often because someone has another opinion about how something should be. And usually that opinion is kind of selfish in a way because we want what feels right. So do you see how tough servant living is? There's so many landmines, right? It's not always just cut and dry. And so do you, so for me, when, when I see Jesus and I see his influence change us, and when we spend time with him every day, and when we start becoming like him, this involves serving like him. And the only way, however, to serve like him is realizing point three, serving like Christ is born through humility. You can't truly serve the people of God without having a heart that's humility. You can fake it but God can see through it. So serving like Christ is born through humility. This is verses five through eight, second Philippians. In your relationships with another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. A friend of mine, Julia, um, she's a customer service agent for a cell phone company. And um, Julia, she receives calls from customers who are complaining and who are unhappy about a lot of stuff. And she gets it a lot. I don't have to tell you how unreasonable and sometimes outrageous people's demands are. So Julia, she faces no small number of those on a daily basis. On one of her venting days, um, she was sharing how tough it can really be for her. And so I wrote a prayer that I encouraged Julia to pray every day before she started her shift. Here's the prayer. Lord, today will be another day very similar to every day, every other day. Many people who call will complain about products or service. They will place expectations on me that I cannot always meet. They will say things that hurt and annoy me. 
Some of them will be selfish and overbearing in their demands, and I will feel attacked. Satan will use these pressures to try to bring me down and destroy my faith. Help me focus on the good things about the opportunities this day will bring. Help me to realize most of the people I talk with today I'm meeting for the first time. They are like me, people with pressures and problems trying to get through their day. Some of them have broken lives, screaming bosses, live lonely lives, and just need to talk. The anxiety on the other end of the line may have to do more with their pain than their technology. Give me your heart to listen and really care. Use me to brighten their day instead of adding to their troubles. Carry me above circumstances to a higher plane of relationship with you that is bigger than the pressure I face. When I feel overwhelmed with the pressure of people coming against me, guide me to turn my eyes towards you. Amen. Now this prayer, it reflects choice. It reflects the choice to choose an attitude that is deliberate and on purpose. For Julia to choose to put the customer's interests above her own feelings and to choose to seek the good of the people she serves, she chooses humility in doing so. Julia trades the temptation to be right for humility. When her choice is to make customers happy, even if they're wrong, she chooses humility in itself. Jesus chose to be a servant by choosing to be humble, which was an intentional choice to be nothing. Verse 7, Jesus stooped to being a human being. There really wasn't anything in him for him when he did it, and yet he found himself there. And Paul says, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. To be humble is to have an honest opinion of yourself. Humanly speaking, Jesus intentionally chose torture and death. There's no other example, better example of what humility looked like. Sure, God exalted him in the following verses, but it was a simple restoration to what he was to begin with, which he never even had to give up in the first place. So if you and I have any aspiration to be remotely like Jesus, we have to accept the condition of a humble attitude and reminding us that service will result in reward. See you guys next week. If you haven't already, make a donation and share this with a friend.